You are listening to the Anti-Racist Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Hall, anti-racism consultant and leadership coach. If you are a mission-based entrepreneur or leader, then you are in the right place. In this podcast, we're going to be covering what anti-racist leadership actually is, how to implement that in your business, and all of the things that you need to know to finally shift out of the learning and listening cycle. I hope you're ready to take some notes. Let's hop into today's episode. Welcome back to the Anti-Racist Leadership Podcast. My name is Alyssa Hall, your host and anti-racism consultant and leadership coach. Today, we are going to be talking about the question that I get asked the most whenever I'm on podcasts. And that question is, what is diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism? I feel like this is such an important question because at least like traditionally when I was growing up, I am a product of the 90s. <laughs> um you know, diversity was the main thing that you would hear about, if anything, right? And it was really just about like, okay, um, do you interact with people who don't look like you? Are there people who don't look like you that are also in the room? And and that's literally it. Um, and I feel like sometimes that's why we get a lot of answers from people when uh, we talk about DEI or anti-racism work. And it's just like, okay, well, you know, I have these groups of friends or I have these certain clients and things that in the grand scheme of things are just like the least important out of everything. So I really, really want to talk about that today. And I'm super excited to have this conversation with you all. So let's get started. I'm What I'm going to do is define kind of what I see as sort of the flow chart with doing this work. And I truly feel like the way that I'm about to describe it may not really be the way that we have been taught to look at it. And you may have really been thinking about it. But hopefully, by having this discussion today, you're going to be able to understand where it is that I'm coming from. And I feel like a lot of us that are in this industry when it is when we're doing this work. Okay, so I feel like the actual first part of the flowchart is actually anti-racism. The reason why anti-racism is going to be the first thing that I'm going to be talking about today is that at the end of the day, whatever system that we're creating, whatever uh, system that we've cultivated or whatever culture we're creating within the places that we are, the first thing that needs to be discussed is anti-racism because when we're talking about anti-racism, what we're also talking about is anti-oppression. And what we're also talking about is removing the traces of white supremacy culture. And so that's why, you know, again, when we talk about like DEI, DEIAR, JEDI, a lot of people are only thinking about the diversity part. And I'm like, we, that's not even the first thing. And spoiler alert, that's actually the very last thing we're going to be talking about today. Um, but the first thing has to be anti-racism because it doesn't matter if you have done anything after what I'm about to say. If you have not successfully um, identified where white supremacy culture shows up in the work that you do, in the way that you're thinking about things, in the way that you're evaluating things, in the way that you are translating information, in the way that you're working with your clients, you're working with your team. If you have not eradicated and identified where the traces of white supremacy culture are, it literally does not matter who else is in the room. 
It doesn't because at the end of the day, the purpose of this is not just let's create more, uh, you know, faces of people on all walks of life. That's important, but can we have them stay there? Can you create these amazing forever clients? Can you create these amazing team members that want to stay with you through it all? You can't do that unless you have specifically eradicated the exact same systems that are working against all these different people that are not a white, straight, cisgender male. Until you do that, you are going to be continuing to, I don't want to say cause harm, but perpetuating the exact same things that are making life difficult for people outside. So you have to address anti-racism first. And anti-racism, I feel a lot of people look at anti-racism work as work that they're doing on the outside or work that they're doing to show that they're a a good person, right? Like, I don't want them to think that I'm one of those bad people. I want people to be able to trust me and see me who for, for, for who I am. These are all incredibly important things, but that won't be able to happen until you are even identifying any of this other stuff. What it also boils down to as well is decolonizing your mindset. You need to step away, step away from this good versus bad type of thing. You need to be able to understand what is the frame of thinking and looking at the world that we have been taught and how do I identify what that is so I can look at the world in a different way and interact in a different way. So one example of what that looks like in terms of like doing all this other work without uh, formally doing the anti-racism work first is let's say you hire a, um, a diversity expert to come into your business and let's say you like own a large company or whatever, right? And you're like, hey, listen, I first off, I want to, you know, bring in more diversity, but also, you know, I want them to feel included and, you know, I just I want them to feel comfortable while coming to work. And the diversity person's like, well, you know what, these this job that you have, none of these people are client facing. And what allows people to feel really good is by being able to show up to work as themselves, right? So how comfortable are you with maybe eradicating the dress code? And then the CEO goes, you know what? I'm down for that. I want my my employees to feel comfortable with being themselves. And you know what? If eradicating the dress code is a step towards them doing that, and I see that by eradicating the dress code, they are going to be able to perform better because they're feeling comfortable, they're feeling more confident. I am down for that, right? This CEO is fucking excited. He is excited. And then what happens? The dress code is eradicated. Everyone screams hip hip hooray, whatever. Come summertime, Johnny comes into work And he is wearing a t-shirt and khaki shorts and those fucking dad sandals, those leather dad sandals. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to need you to Google it. (laughs) I don't know if this is a black thing, if this is all dads, but Google what I'm talking about if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, He comes into work wearing that and the CEO 
has no thoughts. He's just like, okay, hello, Johnny. It is Tuesday. I hope you do well today. What fucking ever. I don't know. What, I don't know what they would say in this situation. <laughs> um, but then Carla comes in. Carla comes in with pretty much the same thing, right? She comes in with uh, a t-shirt, shorts, and some sandals. And the CEO is just like, well, I got to keep an eye on Carla today because clearly she thinks she's going to the beach. She's too comfortable. And that affects the way that he's viewing Carla. Why? Because although he has taken this stance for diversity, for inclusion, and he understands what the purpose of all of that is, what he has not eradicated in his brain is the way that he is um, defining professionalism, right? Or defining someone who is ready to work. In his mind, it still has to do with the way that they physically present themselves, when in reality, a physical presentation has nothing to do with how ready someone is to work. If y'all could see me right now, this is part of the reason why I'm so hyped about having a podcast instead of having a YouTube channel. Right now, my hair is so unwell. (laughs) That's the best word to describe it. My hair is unwell. I'm wearing um, like a workout outfit, but not like a cute workout outfit, like a shirt that you should have thrown out maybe a few years ago that is ill-fitting, but I like to recycle my clothes (laughs) or reuse my clothes. So this used to be like a a cute graphic tee. Now it's a really, really worn out shirt and I use it to work out. Um, That's what I'm wearing right now. And some really, really ugly yoga Bermuda shorts type of situation. If I were to leave my house looking like this, I don't I can't even imagine the thoughts that people would have of me, but that is not a representation of how ready I am to work because I'm clearly working right now, (laughs) right? And, but since he has not been able to dismantle that in his brain, he is now creating a very uncomfortable work situation for Carla because he's going to micromanage her. He's going to possibly at after some point, he may feel so uncomfortable with how Carla and maybe how all the other women in the office are showing up as a result of not having a dress code that he may just take away the the free dressing situation and bring the dress code back because at the end of the day, he's now feeling like, oh, everyone is lazy now because they're doing this at a third and this isn't a good representation of our company because he still has not eradicated what his brain has been telling him and what society has been telling him is professional, is ready for work, is a good employee. That's why regardless of anything else, anti-racism needs to come first. We need to acknowledge what are these norms and roles that white supremacy culture has created and how have we internalized that and how is that showing up in the way that we are possibly serving our clients or uh, in the way that we have constructed our business? How is that a thing that is happening, right? And another example, this one is more for entrepreneurs, right? And I I talk about this example all the time, so you're going to get tired of hearing it, but I feel like this is the most prevalent example that I see when it comes to entrepreneurs um, 
really feeding into this this type of mindset. And it comes with this conversation surrounding payment plans, right? As of right now, I am not your coach. <laughs> You're just listening to my podcast. When we do become in this, you know, coach-client relationship, sure, I, I may give you, you know, different counseling. But right now, I am not your coach. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you should have a payment plan and it should look like XYZ, blah, 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 blah. But what I am going to tell you is challenge your thoughts about payment plans. I'm begging y'all. There are so many coaches that have this frame of thought surrounding payment plans and the people who need payment plans. And it has such... I, problematic undertones. That's the best way that I can describe it without um, just being over the top, but it has such problematic undertones. The amount of things that I have heard and read surrounding people who need payment plans or even people who engage in lower cost offerings, it's really goes against, again, a lot of the things that y'all really want, which is that diversity and inclusion. And how are we going to do that when we haven't reckoned with the fact that you have a strong belief that a person who engages with a lower cost offering is going to be a problem client, is going to be a client that's not worth as much as someone who engages with a higher cost audience, a higher cost product, or that the person who engages with a higher cost product, once you raise your pricing, you raise the quality of your clients. What are we actually saying? What are we actually saying? And until we actually recognize that by having that thought process, we are continuing to perpetuate white supremacy culture. There is no way that even fathoming what diversity and inclusion can look like for you will be something that will stay for a long term if you still have this deep belief that someone who has a who takes on a payment plan is doing so to to try to cheat you or is doing so um because they just don't want to work hard enough this is what bootstrap mentality this is also like all of these things that we think of when we think of people of lower incomes. And the example that I always use for people like this is like, have you ever met a college student on a scholarship? That student is paying zero dollars and zero cents to go to school, while others are leaving that exact same school paying hundreds and thousands of dollars. Did that person work less? It's these same people who love telling these 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 trauma porn stories of look at this person he made it through the gutters and he did this that and the third and he was on scholarship and blah blah blah. Okay, so what separates that person from the person who requires a payment plan from the person who can only afford your lower ticket offers? There is no difference between any of those people, but white supremacy culture tells you that there is, and you're internalizing that, and that's completely affecting the way that you're structuring your business. But I really hope that y'all understand what I'm trying to say here, right? Like, at the end of the day, we need, need, need to address how racist mentalities have made its way 
into our business, into our thought processes, into our coaching practices, into everything. We need to really address that first. That needs to be eradicated first and then we can do everything else. And just one actually last quick thing about anti-racism before we move on to the other three, (laughs) the other three letters is I'm hoping that from everything that I've said thus far, you're able to really understand how anti-racism work is not just work that we do for other people out of the kindness of our hearts and this philanthropic work. It is work that is a necessity for our business so that we can serve the people that we want to serve, so that we can really enact on our missions in in a way that fits more than just the same type of people that are always talked about. We're always talking about white men. We're always talking about white women. We're always creating things specifically to serve them and everyone else needs to just assimilate to get inside. Anti-racism is undoing all of that in your business. And I'm hoping that with this whole podcast, but even more so with everything that I've said thus far, you're able to really finally understand how it has a place in your business. All right, let's talk about inclusion real quick. So inclusion is the next step after anti-racism, we have finally, we can't completely eradicate all of the things, right? But what we can do is learn and grow in addressing what that is and catching ourselves when it happens and catching our clients and paying attention to the things that we're learning from our other coaches, right? So we we're really getting a good grasp on that. So next we're going to move into inclusion. Inclusion work is, okay, when all of these different groups of people interact with my business, Do they feel like they are welcome? And not welcome as in you opened the fucking door for them. That's not what I'm talking about. Trudy LeBron is an amazing anti-racism coach in this space as well. And she gives this really visual example about what inclusion means. And I'm going to share this with you here. So she gives the example of you're at a barbecue or you're hosting a barbecue and your friends are vegan and you invite your vegan friends to the barbecue, but you don't have any vegan food there. All you have is fucking meat and shit mixed with dairy. Are they feeling included when they get to the barbecue? No, you invited them. They're there, but they can't enjoy it in the same way as everyone else. And (laughs) I gave this example to... Um, one of the cohorts in my group program, the School of Anti-Racist Leadership, and I am someone who has a dairy aversion, and I'm also someone who gets migraines. So if I am at a place and all they have is dairy, then I can't eat it. Um, but if I don't eat for a long time, then I get a migraine. So I'm just like, I always take this example further, and I'm just like, okay, and then this person knew they were going to a damn barbecue, because I don't know about y'all, but I know I'm going to a barbecue. <laughs> I'm cooking food at my house. I'm not. What the hell am I cooking food for when I know I'm going to a barbecue at 6 p.m.? I'm assuming they're going to have food. If not, I will be livid because what the hell is a barbecue without food? But so I I don't eat dinner because I'm assuming I'm going to eat dinner there, right? It's, a, it's essentially the same thing as going out for dinner. You're not going to eat dinner at home. So then you go there and then you realize there's not a single thing that you can eat except possibly the shitty ass fucking salad which is actually just chopped up lettuce tomatoes and um 
what is that other one? Cucumbers. Okay. And then all they got there is fucking ranch dressing. So all you have there is to eat the dry salad. And I don't eat dry salad. That shit is nasty, but that's beyond the point. Um, <laughs> then you can't eat, eat anything. So then you're sitting there trying to have a good time with your friends. You're trying to also not cause a scene. So you're trying to not like complain for not being able to eat because you don't want to be a burden. And then at this point, you're, you're just getting a whole ass migraine. And so you leave the fucking barbecue at the time that everyone else leaves because, again, you don't want to cause a scene. And so you leave there with your migraine and then you have to stop by whatever random fast food place is open, hopefully, <laughs> and get yourself something shitty to eat and take your Excedrin while everyone else was able to just enjoy the barbecue and just go straight home afterwards. That is not an equal experience that person was not included they were just invited your barbecue was diverse it was not inclusive and that's the biggest thing that i feel like we need to deeply understand when we're talking about this work right i'm not asking you how many black friends do you have how many black clients do you have how many black team members do you have i'm not asking you about that i'm asking you do all of these people that all come from different backgrounds and have different experiences, do they feel like they can thrive just like the person next to them? That's the question. And have you set up the systems in order for that to happen? Have you understood what needs to be done in order for that to happen? Or are you just hoping that they'll just be able to do it because that's assimilation. You're just hoping that they can fit into the mold that you have created. And if not, it's that they haven't worked hard enough or they haven't tried hard enough. No, y'all, we're not doing that. Let's use the example of professionalism in a corporate space, right? It's more than just fitting into the mold of professionalism. And it's more than just, oh, they don't know that this is what we do. It's a societal norm. We all know what it is, but more so it's about what allows them to feel comfortable. And when they are allowed to feel comfortable, how do they perform? What type of work do they produce, right? When we get to show up as our full selves at work, we second guess ourselves a lot less. And as a result of that, we can get more done. When your clients feel comfortable to show up as their full selves, they feel the psychological safety to get support where it's really needed instead of just telling you the surface level version of the story. That's the key. But that's that's what inclusion means for me. Um, and I would love for y'all to really just be realistic with yourself. Are you practicing understanding what inclusion looks like for you, your business, your team, your offerings. Are you really practicing that? Are you really like asking yourself these questions or are you just hoping that it'll happen and when the people come into your space, you can course correct? No, that's causing harm. And a big thing that I hear is either A, oh, well, you know, um, I have black clients and none of them have said anything there or none of them have, have said anything negative about the program, my work or anything. And it's like, why are you 
waiting for someone else to tell you that what you're doing is harmful. That means that they've been harmed. So you're waiting for someone to be harmed before taking an action. And I know a lot of y'all are really in that frozen state of being too afraid to do anything so because you don't want to harm anyone but by doing nothing you're creating a future where you will be perpetuating harm because you haven't done the work beforehand and that's the second thing too it's like oh well you know um i don't have any black clients right now so you know what what's the point of I, i'd rather just wait and then ask them if there's anything that i can do to support or if there's anything i can do better and it's like you're asking them to do labor that's not their job. You are their coach. It's not the other way around. The power dynamic in this space is I am here to learn from you. I am here to gain mentorship and to to heal or to work for you. That's that's my role here. My role is not to help you along your anti-racism journey. My role here is not to call you out when you do something wrong. Not every single person of color wants to engage in that at all, at all. Outside of work, I'm going to be real honest with y'all, outside of work, I am not sitting here calling people out left and right. And people tell me that all the time. Like, if I say something wrong, um, don't be afraid to call me out. I don't have any want to. Unless you are a paying client, I literally don't want to. Because it's not just about me calling you out. It's about me then educating you. It's about me then holding space for your feelings. It's about the awkward conversation. Nobody wants to do that. And even less so if they are your client, if they are your employee. Let these people just exist in the space that they are meant to exist in the role that you have created. Don't put this extra burden on them and wait for them to come into your space to try to figure out what you need to be doing better. No. Not when you have all of these different resources to make it so that you won't be perpetuating further harm, but you're actively choosing to wait until you perpetuate harm to then try to fix the problem because you believe that there isn't a problem, even though you kind of know there's a problem. Absolutely not. So that was a major rant, but that was inclusion. (laughs) Okay. Now let's step into equity. Equity means to me, (laughs) equity, when I think of equity, I think of the barrier to entry to get in or the barrier to entry to move up. So when I work with my clients on equity, it's about taking everything you learned from understanding inclusion and creating the structures to allow everyone to be on an equal playing field. So if you don't know what people need, then there's no way that you can bridge that gap. And as leaders, business owners, and CEOs, we have a shit ton of power to bridge gaps that society has created if we choose to do something about it. And no, it's not just about creating scholarships and donating money. Inclusion is about the person's experience when they're in your room. Equity is about the ability for the person to get in the room or move up. So for example, let's use an entrepreneur example like 
payment plans, right? A payment plan is something that allows more people to get in the room and it has nothing to do with their ability to work hard. It has nothing to do with whether or not they're an ideal client. It allows more people who are now ideal clients to get in the room as a result of the payment plan that breaks down the barrier to entry. So that's getting in the room, right? So now let's talk about moving up. So this is more, I'll use like a corporate example. If we have an extremely limited view of what we believe to be a hardworking individual or what we define as leadership or what we define as professional, then regardless of the work that other people do, we are blocking their access to move up. So in order to create a wider access of what it means to be allowed to move up, We need equity, and in order to have equity, we have to do the first step, which is anti-racism, and breaking down our own ideals and thoughts surrounding leadership, professionalism, etc. I hope by now y'all are starting to really understand what I mean by this is a sequence of events. This is a flowchart. You can't just do one of these things because you need the information that you got from the last step. You need the unlearning that you got from the step prior in order to actually make impactful change. That's why when you do take actions, it doesn't feel like it's enough because you don't have the unlearning and the education needed to make a change that's actually impactful. So that's equity. And then... The last thing is diversity. Diversity is what I mentioned at the top of the episode. Diversity is we are looking at the demographics of people and seeing how different everyone is in that room. And that's literally all that is. That is it. That is the least important thing, though. Because I don't care how diverse your room is. I want to know how safe is that room. And we're going to talk about what I mean by safe space, because I feel like that term has been thrown around a lot. We're not going to talk about it this episode. That's going to be a later episode. But I just want you to keep that in mind. Like, diversity is the last thing you need to be worrying about. And that is typically the first thing that people ask me about. It's how do I have people know that I'm a safe space? Are you a safe space? Have you done all of the things that we've spoken about in this episode? And do you continue to do it? And this is just at a higher level zoom out. This isn't even like the smaller bullet points of what it actually means to look at these things in your business, in your programs, in, in, your, uh, in your hiring structure, and all of the different ways that you function as a business owner and as a leader. Asking about how do I let people of different backgrounds know that I'm a safe space when we haven't even defined if you're a safe space, I don't want to hear it. That is not the question that you should be asking at this point in your journey unless you have at the very least been able to deeply identify where white supremacy culture continues to show up for you. Until you've done that, I don't want to hear about what you need to do and how you need to show it and what you need to say and what can I put on my website and what can I I put on my job description. I don't want to hear it unless you've done all that first. All right, y'all. That is going to be all for today. I hope this episode was helpful in just more clearly defining what these terms are, what they look like for you as a leader, as a business owner, whatever your role is. But more importantly, being able to understand the order of operations. 
and to be patient as you go through them. You're going to get the results that you want. It's really hard to go through this process and really want to show what you've been doing and really want to have some sort of baby be birthed as a result of all the things you're doing. It is coming. But you need to allow yourself to do this first so you don't run into taking actions without the proper education or running into taking actions without the proper decolonization work or just trying to worry too much about the diversity and then potentially end up causing harm. I don't want that for you. And I hope that this episode has really helped you identify what that can look like for you and allow you to not only feel confident, but feel excited to take those steps in the proper way so that you can really expand on your mission and serve the clients that you really would love to serve. Today has been a long enough episode, so I will leave you all off here and tell me how, what you thought about this episode. This is the first three episodes being dropped of this podcast, and I am so, so excited to be here with y'all. Share it on social media and tag me and let me know what did you think, what would you like to hear more about, and yeah, I will talk to you all next week on a new episode. Bye.